So how is everybody? Well rested? Yes. How is the Prashad? I missed it. <laughs> so this morning I told you that I'll continue speaking about Srila Prabhupada. And some devotees requested me to speak on my experience with Srila Prabhupada, my days with Srila so, thought I'd just take about 45 minutes or so speak on Shri Prabhupada. I met Srila Prabhupada for the first time in a dream. I was searching for a guru in India and I got quite disillusioned not finding anyone, not finding anyone to whom I could surrender myself completely. I knew that if I accepted a guru, then what I need is to surrender to him fully. That understanding was there. But I couldn't find anyone, so I gave up my search for a guru. And then when I practically gave up my search, then a friend of mine came back, came to see me, who I left with for the for Europe together, and he joined ISKCON when he was in Germany, and he came back to India. <coughs> he became the Vice President of Delhi Temple. So he came to Calcutta and one evening just knocked at my door. I'm very happy to see him as completely uh, thrilled to see him and he was completely transformed. I mean he looked completely different. I never seen him wearing a dhoti. <laughs> And now he's wearing a dhoti and kurta. He was a householder. And he had shaved head. He used to have long hair. Now he has shaved head. And so we... I, I heard that he joined this one, but I never thought that he was serious about that. And because I didn't think that ISKCON was uh, like a serious spiritual culture. And anyway, like we, I was happy to meet him. 
we spent some time together and I was very impressed to see how uh, strict he became. Like the next day he came and I knew that he was a vegetarian. So I told him that we'll, we'll have something vegetarian cooked for you and he declined and I kept on insisting. Then finally he told me that it may be vegetarian but the pots that will be cooked in, they are not, uh, they are kind of used for cooking non-vegetarian food. I was very impressed <laughs> seeing his strictness. <clears throat> and, and I saw he didn't even drink tea or coffee. And, and then he told me about, Iskon told me about Krishna Consciousness Movement, Prabhupada. And I just listened. I didn't really think so much about that at that time. And then he, um, the next day together we went to the temple, Calcutta temple. And I was happy to meet those young Americans. Those days, most of the devotees were Western, Western. I found them very nice, very intelligent. And then, <clears throat> the day after that or so, when I went there, I wanted to take a Bhagavad Gita. And they couldn't find a Bhagavad Gita. Most really the person who had the key to the bookshelf was not there or something. So I said, give me any book. And they gave me a nectar of devotion. Most really because the size was about the same. And so I went home, started to read. And as I started to read, it just occurred to me that that was what I was looking for. I think I briefly mentioned yesterday, like the first thing that occurred to me was liberation, mukti. And Prabhupada is speaking about five kinds of mukti. And then I realized that the one that I was trying to aspire for was a negative liberation. And then what came to me as a great uh, relieving realization was God is a person and Krishna is God. And then the the book was so, I found the book to be so fascinating. 
and I was so absorbed in reading the book that I read till I fell asleep and in the morning when I woke up, the first thing I did was to pick up the book and start reading again. And the next night I had a dream. I saw Srila Prabhupada, what looked like a, sitting on a throne. Because those days I didn't know what a Vasasan was. Because in India, the sadhus generally sit on an elaborate seat. They generally, a simple seat. seat. And nowadays do, they do. I think they learnt it from Iskand. <laughs> Many things the sadhus in India have learned, in, learned from his and Some good, some bad. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I saw Srila Prabhupada was sitting on a Vasasan, beautiful Vasasan, and there was a brilliant light around Srila Prabhupada. And just a sight of Srila Prabhupada made me realize that finally I found my spiritual master. Reading the book already gave me a little somewhat conviction, but now I became fully convinced. And I didn't ask any question, I didn't ask anything, just offered obeisances of Srila Prabhupada. Anyway, although it was like a dream, but it was not like a dream. I never experienced, well, I won't say anything like that, but very rarely I experienced something like that. And so, and then, actually, my friend Sarubhavana Prabhu, he was asking me to go to Delhi. So initially I agreed, but after that I decided that I didn't want to go anywhere. To be, I didn't want to be influenced by anybody at that point. I thought I'll just go on my own. And, and I thought, so I inquired where Srila Prabhupada was. And I was told that Srila Prabhupada was in America at that time. And so I decided that until Srila Prabhupada came back, I would visit the places where Chaitanya Mahaprabhu performed his pastimes, Krishna performed his pastimes, mainly because I was fascinated by the description of Krishna's pastimes in Nectar devotion, especially Krishna's pastimes in Vrindavan. And also, Nectar devotion elaborately discusses how a devotee spends his time in Vrindavan, visiting temples, and in Vrindavan there are 5,000 temples. So, I was kind of thinking at the back of my mind that yes, that's what I was going to do. And thinking that the first place I went to was Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's birthplace, Mayapur. 
And when I went to Mayapur, it was in the evening. And those days Mayapur was very different. I, there was, we have to, I, I went to Krishnanagar and then from there I took a scooter rickshaw, scooter tag, three-wheeler and came to, I was the bank of Jalanga river, crossed the river in a boat and then I came to the, came to Mayapur and there were I think when I arrived there, there was no rickshaw and there were some tea, tea stalls there. So I asked how far was the Iskand temple and so and they said that it's about, uh, it's about one and a half kilometers and there will be a rickshaw coming. I mean, nowadays the places are full of rickshaws and taxis and buses and the roads are completely packed and on both sides of the road there are so many shops. But those days there was nothing. Like, and not even a rickshaw. So finally one rickshaw came and then I took the rickshaw to the temple. And when I arrived there, it was Evening Arati was going on when I arrived. And it was very exciting to see so many devotees, all Westerners, dancing and chanting. And then whoever I spoke to, asked me to stay with, stay there and become a devotee. Like, you know how fired up devotees are when they see a newcomer. <laughs> and so they treated me with the same enthusiasm. And then I went to, they took, they took me I, anyway, they first make, made arrangements for my accommodation and one Bengali devotee, Tapomai Prabhu, he arranged, he took me to the room and then I came out and they told me about the Bhagavad Gita class. So I attended the Bhagavad Gita class. I was very impressed to see and Western devotee giving such an erudite class on Bhagavad Gita. That was Bhakti Raghav Maharaj. And those days he was Raghav Pandit Prabhu. He was giving the Bhagavad Gita class. And very impressed seeing a Westerner reciting so many verses from Bhagavad Gita. And it sounded like he was giving the class just, he was addressing me. Uh, like he was, all he was saying was quite 
appropriate to my situation. Like the material life is illusory. There are so much promises of enjoyment, but there is nothing. The whole life is so miserable. Whereas Krishna consciousness is so blissful. And, and in that serene atmosphere of Mayapur, those words were so meaningful. And the next morning, I also attended the Shima Bhagavatam class. And in the meantime, I was talking to different devotees. I mean, they came, spoke to me, and everyone's practically, everyone was proposing, why didn't I stay there and become a devotee? Or someone will even say, that, why don't you give it a try and see what happens, whether you like it. Those days, very few people used to visit Mayapur. Actually, hardly anyone used to go to Mayapur. Shatadana Maharaj gave the class. As again, it was very impressive. He was a young sannyasi, very handsome, and, and he was speaking with so much authority. And after the class, he started to speak to me. He just saw me, and I was a newcomer. And he was speaking to me, so I. And he also suggested, why don't you just give it a try and see how you like it. And especially when they heard that I was searching for spiritual life. So at that time I didn't tell anybody. I went to a barber and shaved my head. Got my head shaved, got a dhoti and kurta, and threw away my western clothes in the Ganges. I went to the Ganga, took a bath, threw away my old clothes, put on my new clothes, and I came back, and everyone was. Shockingly delighted, <laughs> like never. They're all asking me to join, but never, no one ever thought that I would respond so favorably so quickly. I already shaved out. Even they asked, even before they asked me. So this is how it all started. And I got absorbed in my pool, lots of service, and because there was practically no educated Indian there at the time of Mayapur. And they needed somebody to kind of deal with outside people, especially uh, there was so much construction going on. So that's one of the things that I got involved in, and purchasing for the construction. And then we got the news that Prabhupada came back to India and Prabhupada was in Bombay. So, 
Jayapataka Maharaj and Bhavananda Maharaj were two co-directors of my school at that time. And Jayapataka Maharaj mostly used to travel, preach, and Bhavananda Maharaj were mostly involved in my school. So when I got to know that Srila Prabhupada came back to India, I told Bhavananda Prabhu that I would like to go to Bombay to meet Srila Prabhupada. So he discouraged me. He said, look, Prabhupada is quite sick. Hardly anybody can see Srila Prabhupada. Besides that, in Bombay nobody knows you, so that your chances of being able to see Srila Prabhupada will be very bleak. So why don't you wait? Prabhupada is going to come here. So you meet him there at that time. So I accepted that. But then after a few days we got the news that Prabhupada went to Kumbhamila in Allahabad. And a group of devotees from Mayapur were planning to go to Kumbhamila. Uh, like <clears throat> and Bhavananda was leading in a bus with about 30-35 devotees traveled from Mayapur to Allahabad. Took us two days or three days, two nights we stopped. First night we stopped in Gaya and second night we stopped I think in Benares and then we came to Allahabad. We arrived in Allahabad at noon and we, I put my things in, a, in the tent where I was assigned to stay with other Mayapur devotees. And right after just dropping my things, I just went to go and see Shiva just went to see Srila Prabhupada and as I was told Prabhupada that was Prabhupada's tent, large tent. It was surrounded by corrugated, uh, corrugated tin sheet wall and one <coughs> big-bodied western devotee was guarding the gate. So when I tried to go in, he stopped me. And he said, Prabhupada would give darshan in the evening, so we come in the evening. A little disappointed, I left the place. And when I was just walking back, I saw Bhavananda coming with a basket of vegetables that he brought from Mayapur for Srila Prabhupada. He had the basket on his basket of vegetables on his carrying it on his shoulder. And he told me, Come, I'm going to see Shukrava. So he was practically running and I also ran after him, ran behind him. So the boy who was guarding the gate, the devotee who was guarding the gate, just offered obeisances and we walked. When he came close to Prabhupada's tent, from outside I could see Srila Prabhupada 
sitting inside the tent in semi-darkness. So from outside I offered obeisances. In the meantime, Bhavanandi just walked in. And when I tried to, after offering obeisances, when I tried to go in, Ramisha Maharaj, who was Prabhupada's secretary at that time, he stopped me. He said, Prabhupada is taking prasad, don't go there now. Again, disappointed, I left. Scarcing myself, why did I offer obeisances from outside? <laughs> I could have gone in with Bhavananda and offered obeisances from inside. Anyway, but then again, I got a realization that it's not so easy to come close to Shri Prabhupada. Because Prabhupada had, then I began to realize Prabhupada had so many disciples, thousands of them, and everyone is dying to meet him. So this kind of guarding Shri Prabhupada was necessary. So from that I just gave up my idea even to come close to Srila Prabhupada. And then I, uh, Sridhar Maharaj was getting the devotees together to go out and distribute books. So I also decided to go and distribute books. And so the whole day I distributed books, or rather whole afternoon. And I was so absorbed in distributing books because the response was so good. Uh, the pilgrims were naturally very pious and they wanted to take books. And practically whoever I approached was willing to take the books. So, and, and as a result of that I forgot that Prabhupada was giving darshan in the evening. So when I realized that Prabhupada was giving darshan and I got late, so I immediately ran back. By the time Prabhupada's tent was completely full, and somehow I managed to squeeze inside so many people there. And then I saw Prabhupada sitting there I had a wonderful experience at that time. At that time I practically lost all consciousness from my surrounding, from everything. All I could hear at that time was my heartbeat. And I could hear it was beating so hard. And, and at the same time there was such a wonderful feeling of me. And for first few minutes probably, I didn't register anything. I was just seeing Prabhupada and hearing my own heartbeat and going so loud. And then I began to register. And one of the things I registered at that time was people are asking questions to Shri Prabhupada. Sometimes these questions were quite challenging. But Prabhupada was answering those questions with such ease. And one such question came from 
were very, uh, very uh, dignified looking, middle-aged Indian gentlemen. At that time, uh, actually in 1974, uh, Srila Prabhupada opened the Vrindavan temple, 75 actually, Krishna Balaram temple. So it was the talk of the town, right? because it was such a grand temple in Vrindavan, newly built. And so this man was asking, why build temples? Okay, that temple was going on, Hyderabad temple construction was going on, Bombay temple construction was going on. So probably this person knew about all these temples uh, that Srila Prabhupada was building. So he asked Srila Prabhupada, why are you building these new temples when the old temples need repair? Prabhupada <coughs> did not answer his question directly, but he asked him, who is that lady sitting next to you? That man said, she's my wife. Prabhupada asked, why did you get married? The man was a little flustered. Then Prabhupada said, you got married in order to produce children. Putra, Thikriyate, Bharja. But why have children when there are so many children loitering in the streets? <laughs> <laughs> then Prabhupada said, just as you want to have your children, similarly a devotee wants to make his own offering to Although so many temples are there, but the devotees take his joy and delight in building temples for Krishna. And so it was very exciting just to see Srila Prabhupada. So in the evenings, Prabhupada used to give darshan. In the mornings, Prabhupada used to give Bhagavatam class. Before the Bhagavatam class, there used to be Guru Puja. And, and I was so thrilled to just get close to Srila Prabhupada to offer the flowers to him at his lotus feet. And then one day, I mean, those days I never tried to get anywhere near Srila Prabhupada. I just stopped making any endeavor. The morning I would attend the Guru Puja Bhagavatam class, then have breakfast and then go out to distribute books. And then I'd come back in the evening, take a shower, and then go to attend Srila Prabhupada Darshan. And this way we are happily spending our time. Then one day we got to know that Srila Prabhupada was going to leave Kumbhmela. And so I heard, and that time it didn't really make any difference to me whether Prabhupada was in Kumbhmela or not. I was just happy being there, being with the devotees, having such wonderful exchange with so many devotees from different parts of the world. 
and distributing books. Then after, afterwards, Bhavananda Maharaj came to me and <clears throat> he told me, Prabhupada is leaving for, leaving Kumamila tonight. I think he also mentioned that Prabhupada was going to Calcutta. And I told him, yes, I heard about that. And he said, Prabhupada will be traveling by train and a group of devotees will be traveling with him and you have been included in that team. That was, I was literally started to dance in ecstasy <laughs> and that I would be traveling with Sri Prabhupada on the same train. The train started at night and we all took rest. Next morning, after taking bath, I was chanting my rounds. Must have been around 6.37 in the morning. And Bhavananda came to my compartment and said, Come, I'll take you to Shilpraha. Now, all these days I was dying to meet Shilpraha. But now that the time came, when he is proposing that, come, I'll take you to Sri Prabhupada. Something happened and I felt that I was totally unqualified to approach Sri Prabhupada. Some feeling, I don't know what it was like, like some fear probably that, oh, Prabhupada will see all the dirt in my heart. And if Prabhupada rejected me, So probably Bhavananda could register my hesitation. So he caught me by my hand and dragged me through the corridor, opened the gate to Shilaprabha, opened the door to Shilaprabha's compartment, which was just one compartment after that, and pushed me in. And I fell flat on the ground, offering obeisances. <clears throat> when I got up, I saw Prabhupada was looking at me. And then Prabhupada asked me to sit next to him. In the first class compartment, there were two seats, two rows facing each other. And on the other seat, there was Bhavananda Maharaj, Jayapataka Maharaj, and Rameshwar Maharaj. And Abhinam Prabhu, who was the temple president of Calcutta at that time, he was sitting on the floor. And Prabhupada was sitting on the other seat. So when Prabhupada asked me to sit next to him, I suggested, no, Prabhupada, I'll sit on the floor. Prabhupada insisted, no, you sit here. So when Prabhupada insisted like that, I folded up the blanket sat at the edge of the seat. And after some initial exchanges, like when I joined and etc. etc. where I was from, 
Then Prabhupada told me, you translate my books into my body. And I actually asked Prabhupada, Prabhupada, it's such an important job. Will I be able to do it properly? And the Prabhupada said, just keep doing it. Practice makes a man perfect. <laughs> and anyway, then we came to Calcutta. And Calcutta temple was like my temple. Calcutta and Mayapur used to be both the places. And, and now that I have this service, I have this access to Srila Prabhupada and everybody got to know that Prabhupada gave me that service. Like the leading devotees who were there, they were also aware of it. And so I had easy access to Srila Prabhupada now. One evening, Prabhupada was giving darshan. Many important people came to see Srila Prabhupada. And so then the evening aratik started. The Prabhupada told everyone to go and attend the aratik. So everyone left, I also left. I was standing in the Arctic, in the temple room. Then it occurred to me that Arati I can attend every day. But to be able to be with Srila Prabhupada is rare. So why don't you just go and be with Srila Prabhupada? So thinking that, I just went back to Srila Prabhupada's room. As I opened the door, I saw Prabhupada was counting money. <laughs> the dakshina, that donation that people gave, Srila Prabhupada was counting. And it was kind of a shocking sight to me because uh, the, generally the sadhus in India don't deal with money. So, and I immediately brushed that thought out of me. Whatever Prabhupada does is perfect. Prabhupada looked up and he said, What do you want? So, what do you want? I said, Prabhupada, I just wanted to be with you. Prabhupada said, Okay, sit down. So I sat down. Prabhupada finished counting. And very uh, meticulously he kept that notes together and opened his door of the drawer of the, drawer of the uh, desk and kept it there. Then he looked up at me and he said, so what do you want? And I just blurted out, Srila Prabhupada, will you kindly give me initiation? And I had that apprehension, fear. I was told that many devotees have been waiting for many years and didn't get initiation. And I was thinking, if that happens to me, if 
Prabhupada refuses to give me initiation, what I am doing. So therefore with a <coughs> doubtful heart, I just blotted out Shri Prabhupada, he kindly give me initiation. And Prabhupada immediately said, yes, yeah, sure, I will give you initiation. During Gaurapurnima, I'll give you initiation. I felt so happy. Then from Calcutta, Prabhupada went to Bhuvaneshwar and then he came back to Mayapur. And so again, it was so nice to be with you. You know, one afternoon, in the meantime, I was translating and I would take my translations to Srila Prabhupada and read them out to Prabhupada. And Prabhupada used to correct me, Prabhupada used to advise me, guide me. Sometimes if he liked the translation, he appreciated saying, very good, very well, very good, very good. And then one afternoon, Prabhupada called me. So when I went to Srila Prabhupada, Prabhupada gave me a stack of Bengali letters and he asked me to try reply them. And the way to reply was I would Prabhupada would I would read out the letter letters. And then Prabhupada used to give the points, what to write. And then I would come and read them out to Srila Prabhupada. And read the draft. And then Prabhupada used to make corrections. And then I would handwrite those letters, replies, on Prabhupada's letterhead. And then take them to Srila Prabhupada and Prabhupada used to sign them. So <clears throat> when I replied all the Bengali letters, Prabhupada gave me a stack of Hindi letters. And prior to that actually Prabhupada asked me whether I can write in Hindi. So I said, Prabhupada, I can write in Hindi, but my handwriting is not so nice. Then Prabhupada said, doesn't matter. He said, nobody's Hindi handwriting is nice. <laughs> then he told me one joke. He said, once someone received a letter from his friend in Hindi, And he wrote back to his friend, the next time you write to me, or whenever you write to me, please send me the train fare. So his friend wrote back, why do you want the train fare? He said, because in order to figure out what you wrote, I have to go back to you. <laughs> So then I got this assignment, a service to reply his letters in Hindi. And then one day, those days, Tamal Krishna Maharaj was Prabhupada's secretary. And 
Prabhupada told me that he was going to, he was appointing me as the, as the secretary for Indian affairs. And then he called Tamar Krishna Maharaj and told him that he was appointing me as the secretary for Indian affairs and <clears throat> I should move into the room where he was staying, which was a room, two rooms after Shri Prabhupada's room in the Lotus building in my So that gave me another good fortune of being with Tamar Krishna Maharaj. He was such a wonderful association, very advanced devotee. He was so disciplined and he was so concerned about Srila Prabhupada. So he actually trained me up in serving Srila Prabhupada. And his whole schedule was so wonderful, so exemplary. He would get up at 3.30 every morning and he would play Srila Prabhupada's tape in a tape recorder and he would take the tape recorder to the bathroom and just the sound of it I also used to wake up and lying on bed I used to hear <laughs> Prabhupada's tapes playing was playing the tape after he finished his bath I used to go to the bathroom and he was very disciplined and he designed the day also from this time to this time chanting from this time to this time reading and uh, rest of the time just be with Srila Prabhupada somebody has to be with Srila Prabhupada all the time and sometimes the chanting also we used to do in Prabhupada's room next Prabhupada's room are two rooms one room was the bedroom, one room was the bathroom. So when Prabhupada used to be in his bedroom, we used to sit outside in the darshan room and chant. I remember one day I was chanting very loudly, quite loudly. In the back of my mind I was thinking that Prabhupada would be so pleased to hear me chanting. <laughs> Then Prabhupada called me and said, don't chant so loudly. <laughs> and that was another lesson. Anyway, then <clears throat> in the meantime, the initiation took place. Prabhupada was going to give initiation. Many devotees were there. And Brahmananda Maharaj, who was also Prabhupada's secretary at that time, he told me one day that Prabhupada decided to give me first and second initiation together. And he told me, boy, are you fortunate? <laughs> 
So yes, I got the initiation. Then Prabhupada was leaving Mayapur to Bombay because there was going to be a big program in Cross Maidan in Bombay. And <clears throat> so preparations were being made for Srila Prabhupada to leave. And then Bhavananda told me one day came to me and started to tell me that there is so much service for me in my pool and I should not go with Srila Prabhupada but stay in my pool. Actually broke my heart but then again I felt that Bhavananda has done so much for me how can I refuse him. And I accepted it and Pavananda actually told me that service and separation is greater than service in India. I just accepted that also with a heavy heart. Then the day before Srila Prabhupada was leaving, I don't know why, for some reason Prabhupada asked, aren't you coming with me? And I just blurted out, no Srila Prabhupada, Bhavananda Maharaj told me that the service and separation is greater than service. <laughs> so Prabhupada said, maybe, that may be, but when your spiritual master wants you to serve him, I think you should serve him. <laughs> so, I just offered obeisances to Srila Prabhupada and ran to Bhavananda and told him what Prabhupada said. <laughs> and so he said, well, if Prabhupada wants, then of course you should go with him. And then jokingly I told him, and Prabhupada said that you should pay, pay for my fare. <laughs> so now that gave me the opportunity to go to Bombay with Srila Prabhupada. When Prabhupada arrived in Bombay, <clears throat> the car actually drove him to his old apartment. Like in Bombay there were many buildings in that compound, many apartment buildings and one built, such building had Srila Prabhupada's quarters and Prabhupada refused to stay there, he said no, he wanted to stay in the new apartment, new quarters. And but that was not ready, so Prabhupada was told that it was not ready. Prabhupada was adamant, he said, no, I'm ready or not, I'm going to stay there. So Prabhupada went there and fortunately Prabhupada asan was ready and Prabhupada's sitting place was ready. But the work was still going on, the toilets were being fixed, basins were being fixed in the bathroom, the doors were being fixed. And there was no way Prabhupada actually could stay there, but Prabhupada just went there and sat there in his ashram. And <clears throat> so 
Prabhupada. So then everyone is in anxiety. Tamakrishna Maharaj, Surabhi Swami, who was in charge of the construction there, Giriraj Maharaj, he was a Brahmachari at that time, Giriraj. Brahmachari. And so they all were wondering what to do. Tamakrishna Maharaj was so intelligent, like he really knew how to organize things. So he just suggested that the Cross Maidan program is in the city. From Juhu to drive to Cross Maidan will take to take at least one, one and a half hours. So why Prabhupada would stay in Juhu and drive every day? So why not uh, arrange for make arrangement for Prabhupada to stay in the city? And that was brilliant idea. Now where would Prabhupada stay? Uh, one consideration was Bogilal Patel. Bogilal Patel was a very wealthy person. He had a palace in Mumbai. And Prabhupada sometimes stayed at his place. So Giriraj Maharaj called Bogilal Patel, but he was not there. He was out of Kanda. He was out of India. And so <clears throat> the arrangement was made in the house of Kartike Mahadevya. He also had a beautiful apartment, very spacious apartment in one of the most prestigious buildings in Bombay called Seaface Apartments. And he was so nice, Kartike Mahadevya, he actually moved out of the apartment with his family to accommodate Srila Prabhupada. And that apartment had a five, five bedrooms, I think, special, very special, right on the beach. And so Prabhupada walked in there with three of us. Anyway, so this is how Srila Prabhupada came from Mayapur to Bombay. And from Bombay, Srila Prabhupada went to Rishikesh. The Bombay temple next, when the cross Madan program was over by that time, the apartment was completed. Prabhupada moved in there. Then one day, two very important persons came to see me, Asishna Prabhupada. They were Sriman Narayan. Sriman Narayan was the ex-governor of Madras and his brother-in-law, Ramakrishna Bajaj. Ramakrishna Bajaj was the head of the Bajaj Industries, owner of the Bajaj And when they got to know that Srila Prabhupada was, Prabhupada's health was not so good, so they suggested that Prabhupada went to, went for a change somewhere. And they suggested Rishikesh. So Prabhupada liked the idea and he, uh, 
agreed to go to Rishikesh and they actually arranged for Prabhupada to go to Rishikesh. They arranged a beautiful house there. That was the most beautiful house at that time in Rishikesh, right on the bank of the Ganges, called Ganga Darshan. And Rishikesh has also changed so much. Like nowadays we can't even recognize like uh, where this Ganga Darshan was. Now just next to that there is a new bridge has come up uh, connecting the two sides, Rishikesh from this side to that side. And anyway, so Prabhupada then went to Rishikesh and we also traveled with him. So I'll stop now.